Welcome to More Than A Game, a podcast dedicated to the Premier League, the A-League and more. Today on the show, a dominant opening day for Liverpool, but many were left wondering which fade was worse, Liverpool's second half or Hendo's new haircut. VAR proved trickier opposition than West Ham as City romped to a 5-0 win at the London Stadium. And have all of our predictions gone out the window with surprises galore on deadline day and in the madness of the opening day fixtures. Uh, I'm Colby and I'm joined today by uh, regular West Ham correspondent Tommy C. How are you, mate? I'm well, mate. I'm well. Uh, a little bit disappointed with the result overnight, but uh, otherwise well. Yes, yes. Uh, we'll get to more <laughs> on that later, don't you worry. Uh, also joined by uh, Jesse Farmer, our uh, resident Liverpool correspondent. How are you feeling, mate? I'm good, thank you. Uh, thanks Thanks for having <laughs> me, guys, again. Um, yeah, obviously a little bit buoyant, but it's been an interesting weekend of results. A lot happening uh, across the uh, deadline day uh, this week, as we mentioned, and a bit of football too. Uh, Jesse, what stood out for you this week? Just um, the fact that there's just an absolute buffet of football after being staffed for a number of months. Um, I'm particularly happy with the uh, the fact that I can wake up on a Sunday morning and watch uh, about two hours worth of football. Oh, it's uh, it's good to be back. Good to have it back. <laughs> uh, Tommy, what about you? Moment of the week from you? Well, look, just football being back could have quite easily been my moment of the week. Uh, look, you also had Villa being back on the big stage again. Uh, Sterling or Mahrez just turning it on uh, as well. But instead, no, my moment of the week this week is... Yep, I've done it, boys. I've gone and ordered my West Ham jerseys for this for the oh, season. No. So <laughs> locked it in last night. It was about one a.m. after I'd had a few tins. But. The listeners want to know, Tommy, <laughs> who who'd you get on the back? <clears throat> All right, drum roll. <laughs> Not bongos. We're the bongos. Uh, so uh, I got the I got Alair on the on the away jersey. I did get the home and away jersey because I liked them Gee. both. <laughs> Outlay, uh, and then got Dylan Tombedi's, uh thirty eight on the home jersey. Oh, that's wow. a nice touch. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, any shipping costs on that one, mate? Or yeah, a little? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm ready to see how much it actually costs in Australian dollars. I was um, just trying to trigger him. <laughs> I haven't checked the bank, bank balance today. I will say, I mean, apart from football being back, I mean, you know, we're all happy football's back. I will say the moment of the week, and this uh, this is a tribute to Damo, um, it would have to Shout be uh, Billy Sharp providing the cutting edge for the blades. <laughs> what that, a moment. That's one on the pun count. That's one. That's, that's going to be one week. We're going to uh, definitely uh, be, be tallying those up this week, listeners. And, uh, you know, Jesse's, uh, Jesse's just got us underway here. Um, my moment of the week, boys, speaking of things being back, it's uh, Sir Aaron Frank Moy being back in the Premier League. <laughs> Deadline day deal for Brighton. Well, almost missed out, though. I know. Uh, you know, uh, listeners and, uh, and, and uh, followers on um, especially our Twitter account will know uh, how exciting that was for, for all of us here. But it's just good to see another Aussie back in the Premier League. Uh, and playing with Matty Ryan's uh, Brighton, no less. He didn't get any minutes overnight, but um, we're, we're hassling Brighton about that on Twitter as we speak. So, um, you know, I'm sure that'll I'm sure that'll uh, prove just as effective as our uh, hassling for the uh, the signing itself. Been a lot of buzz light year about my story three. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Ding. <laughs> um, maybe uh, like our our announce Moy uh, campaign on on Twitter seemed to be pretty effective. I think, I think we that's what got it across the what got it across the line, and and Brighton actually used it in the actual announcement. But maybe we need to start a, a hashtag campaign of Play Moy. Play Moy. Yeah. So 
Uh, he's he's going to be up against it, I think, though, because David Proper and who Dale, was it? Stevens. Dale Stevens, they, they yeah. look pretty decent last night. And the night, Brighton so. fans really rate Dale Stevens as well. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll have a, he'll have a tough time getting in, into that team. But, of course, he'll need to um, get up to speed with um, Potter's system and, um, and and the way that Brighton play their football as well after, you know, obviously having been at Huddersfield for the last, what, two or three seasons. So, um, yeah, he'll have his work cut out for him. Hard to break into a winning team, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And we'll, we'll get to uh, that later as well. But first, boys, uh, what about own goals this week? Um, a- anything from you, Tommy? few things, actually. Um, one of them was sort of only um, – uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll start with the easy one. I've got three. The first one was VAR. Everyone hates VAR. I hate VAR. And I'm not going to mention it again for the rest of the pod, either today or the rest of the season, because I hate talking about it. Done. Secondly, um, the A-League fixtures being announced on the same day as deadline day. I thought that was a bit of an own goal just because, I mean, that's, that's meant to be, hey, we're launching the season. Like this is, this is something to be excited about. And it was just drowned out by all of the transfer talk from overseas and it just seemed like a bit of a stupid move. My other own goal was, uh, was Everton uh, having to wear uh, their third kit from last season because their first kit and their away kit both clashed with Palace's home kit. So it meant that uh, because they don't have a third kit this season, they had to wear, yeah, last last season's third kit, which... How yeah, embarrassing. Just stupid. <laughs> that was actually my own goal, to be oh, honest. Oh, sorry. Um, but, you know, uh, because, we're, because we're just binging on own goals here, uh, I've, I've also got another one, <laughs> and it was... Uh, I don't know whether anybody noticed. Maybe I'm, I just pay closer attention to these things, but it was uh, Jordan Henderson's uh, fuckboy skin fade. <laughs> He's had a he's had a pretty respectable uh, you know captain's haircut for for quite a while, but uh, he just looked like Phil Foden out there. Well, it was only a matter of time before that success went to his head. <laughs> <laughs> Ding three. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, no, no. Look, people might like it. I'm sure he likes it. But uh, oh, come on, Jordan. Um, mm. Boys, the just, uh, just, sorry, just on a pun note, do you think that um, I think we need to do a comparative analysis between pods when Jesse is on and when pods when Jesse isn't on about what the pod the definitely pun be a correlation is. for sure. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in here, guys, and say uh, as far as an own goal, I'm going to say Grealish um, for his fuckboy haircut. Or well, no, just hero turning to Villa and um, <laughs> in the uh, later part of the um, game where he decided to go for a run upfield into nowhere. And uh, lost the ball. And are you uh, talking about upfield? When you say upfield, <coughs> on his own eighteen-yard box, is that that the incident you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, just inexplicably decided to dribble out of an area where he probably shouldn't have, and lost the ball. And Spurs, I mean, they there's the definition of dallying on the ball, wasn't yeah. it? Are we, are we talking about the Premier League or our Sunday League game that we just played today? <laughs> too, soon. Mate, too soon, too soon, <laughs> mate. Really too soon. But For listeners at home, uh, we're, we were coming off what like a fifty-game unbeaten streak and lost today. So um, yeah. So bit lost of a, bit of a sore point. That's right. But, yeah, that, that was my own go. I just thought it was one of those things where they had Spurs in a really tough position and they sort of needlessly threw it away. Boys, the summer transfer window slammed shut uh, overnight Thursday Australian time. Uh, and in this new era of it lining up with the uh, start of the Premier League season, um, there's been some pretty exciting signings happening on deadline day. We already mentioned... Uh, Sir Aaron, um, Arsenal also brought in David Luiz uh, from Chelsea and made the Tierney deal official. Uh, Spurs have got in La Celso on loan and Ryan Sessegnon for a handy little 25 mil. Uh, Everton spent uh, 40 mil on Iwobi. Uh Newcastle brought back Andy Carroll. United uh, got rid of Lukaku. Um, boys, who, who won the transfer window in your view? Well, I mean, if Spurs are playing fantasy draft, they've basically just taken all the fullbacks and said we'll have them and uh, we'll... <laughs> 
not let anyone else have a chance. I mean, Sessegnon, I just, yeah, amazed that they picked him up, to be honest, because good, good there are signing. other clubs he could have gone to. Good signing, and I think quite easily he could have spent another another year in the championship, and that wouldn't necessarily have been a bad thing for him in terms of his development. I mean, he crushed it two seasons ago there, so in theory he should have been able to continue to do so. But um, uh, I think going up to another level and getting a better standard of coaching, I think, will only help him uh, in the short and the long term. And um, Pochettino has shown that he can he can get the best out of young players. So hopefully we see Sessegnon continue to develop and not just sort of plateau off like obviously is the risk. So Spurs Spurs for both of you then, are you saying? Yeah, I thought uh, Spurs and Arsenal, I thought, were both very good on deadline day. Um, and that it kind of pains me to say that because I, I'd pretty much written off Arsenal. I thought they they – their business a week ago was terrible and that was thinking that both them and Manchester United would struggle to make top six. But now I think Arsenal are pretty good shout to finish top six. I don't think that they, – they've got a better chance now of finishing top four than what I originally had predicted. That that moves but, on to my next question, Tom. You've anticipated that well um, and it's – you know, does, does this – does deadline day um, – does this change any of your predictions from last week? And it sounds like, Tommy, that uh, it's changed uh, your, your view on whether Arsenal will, will make the top six. Or indeed the top four. Yeah, I mean, I, I had Arsenal, I I believe I had them in fourth. Um, I mean, they love fourth. Um, but I, I had them there. Um, and that was before some of their last-minute signings as well. So, yeah, I think they're just one of those, you know, they're a sports car up front and die hat two at the back. Yeah, I'm still not sure how David Luiz improves an error-prone defence. Um, but... Uh, so originally I put them fifth with Leicester finishing one place above them in fourth, taking up the final Champions League spots. And to be honest, I think Arsenal are still going to finish fifth. There's still too many errors at the back, I think, for them to You're be able sticking. to. Yeah, I am, which is a bold call. But like I said, I'm still not sure how Dava Luiz is going to upgrade that defence. Tierney might. He, he might uh, provide them a bit more thrust and a bit more sort of defensive solidity, but it's a big step up from the Scottish Premier League as well. So it's going to take him a little while to get up to speed. Plus he's injured right now. So You've got to gel. You've got to gel as a team. So. Exactly right. So I think it could be a, another season too far, but yeah, the following season I think Arsenal are going to be in a much better position to challenge for top four again. There are a few outgoing deals that could still happen uh, in the Premier League, of course, with the transfer windows of the major European leagues um, still open until the 2nd of Dece- uh, September, not December. Um, the most high profile of which um, there's, there's probably three that stand out um, in terms of rumours with um, Christian Eriksen still linked um, to a move away from the Premier League, whether that be with Madrid or Juventus. Do you think this one's likely at all, boys? Please say no, since I got him in the first <laughs> round of our... Um uh, draft league. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think Spurs have, have strengthened, so maybe they would let him go. Do you think Le, uh, Le is his, his replacement? Potentially. Um, the only the only thing oh, I would say... I don't say, know enough about him to be able to... Yeah, well, he, he does play in that number 10 role, I think. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing that might make this move to either of those clubs for Ericsson a bit difficult is the fact that um, Madrid haven't managed to move Bale on yet mm. and uh, Dybala ended up staying at Juventus. So mm. that, that might be the only thing that could possibly hold that deal up. But I've got my fingers crossed that he stays. And look, I, it's well known that I'm a huge Ericsson fan. I think you saw overnight how Spurs are such a, a much better team when he's on the pitch. As soon as he came on, he changed the game, didn't he? Yeah, and uh, Nombele uh, joining Spurs means that Ericsson doesn't have to do a lot of that shuttling work that he kind of had to do last year just because of injury. So he can concentrate on creating and scoring goals, which that's where he where, where he sets them apart from... Arguably, that the other top half of uh, the the league 
minus probably City and Liverpool. A couple of other deals that could be outgoing um, from the Premier League that want to get your thoughts on, boys. Uh, Pogba uh, has been pretty open about his desire to play uh, for Real Madrid and Zidane's been pretty open in his desire to bring him in. Uh, thoughts on this one? I also saw that Pogba was linked to Juventus, which would be hashtag Pog back back, wouldn't it? Pog, <laughs> Pog yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of backs. But, return um, of the back? Return of the back, yeah. Um, but yeah, with Real Madrid, which has obviously been the one that has been the biggest talking point. Um, yeah, I mean... I mean, they've shown in the past that they'll they'll go to extreme lengths if they really want a player, and he's he's probably in their mould. So, I think the only thing that could hold that up is potentially um, the fact that United um, might be very hesitant to let him go, considering they didn't really reinforce in their own midfield. Um, so, and and they're they're the ones that really have to have the final say about whether they'll let him go. So, I'd say they'd be extremely reluctant to do that, given their uh, lack of activity in the transfer market. Pogba is the one sort of above or better than good midfielder that they've got. Because other what than do you mean? Pog- There's McTominay. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, so apart from Pogba, like Man United are a, they have a terrible midfield. I'm talking like not mid-table. Like there's a lot of mid-table teams that have a better midfield than Man United if you take Pogba out of that equation. So I think they can't afford to let him go if they're serious about being competitive this season. Yeah. Not even for European spots, just competitive at all. And that's one thing that hasn't changed since uh, we previewed uh, United last week. Um, thank you, United, for uh, not making all of our uh, preview <laughs> last week redundant. But um, that's good. Final transfer, boys, that... that could potentially happen uh, was the the transfer of Sane. Um, he's been strongly linked to Bayern, and they've they've um they've come out and said that he's uh, a real preference of theirs. But um, with this impending surgery for his uh, uh, cruciate uh, ligament tear, uh, do you think that's going to put a, a damper on that one for the time being? Yeah, I, I think that would pretty much put that on ice. Um, to be honest, yeah, it won't happen now. I think. Maybe in January, it's it's a possibility, but it's also a big risk as well for Bayern taking on a player who you never know if he's going to be the same player when he comes back from a, a big injury like that. Yeah, wait and see, especially for players like that who rely so much on their pace and mobility. Yep. Uh, boys, plenty of actual football happening too um, with the opening match day of the Premier League kicking off this weekend. Wijnaldum has released Henderson. Salah. Lewis in retreat. Alexander-Arnold, Origi for! He supplied some stellar goals last year, did Divock Origi. This one just continues to ice an already rich cake. Liverpool cruise off the box as Norwich crash straight into reality. Damage done in the first half, an own goal, Salah, Van Dijk and Origi, so that the second half was a canter during which Timu Puki scored a consolation for the gallant visitors up from the championship. But they have faced the winners of the Champions League, and don't they just know it? Final score on opening night at Anfield, Liverpool 4, Norwich City 1. All right, boys, why don't we start at the beginning at Anfield, where Liverpool kicked off their opening day with a statement, uh, scoring four goals in the first half against newly promoted Norwich, uh, as the European champions chased their first title in 30 years. Um, boys, I, I think this was um, quite obviously a game of two halves, despite a dominant performance um, from Liverpool Ding. in the first half. Uh, Norwich grew into the game and they looked more settled and actually won the second half, uh, 1-0. Jesse, are you worried about that at all? I, I think that Liverpool just completely took their foot off the accelerator in the second half, which, you know, as a fan, you never want to see that. But I think there's, I think that a big, a big discussion point last season was 
it's a really, really long season. And if you do feel like you've got the points, then I think a lot of teams start to sort of revert to type and just see it out. I felt like Liverpool did that. So I'm not too worried. And I, I was also mentioning to someone else today who's also a Liverpool fan, I was saying, listen, I don't really care how the results come in the first 10 games or 10 rounds, just get the win. Mm. Um, performances will improve, hopefully. So for me, it's just a matter of just it doesn't have to be pretty. Just get it done. And uh, obviously the other big talking point from the game, boys, was um, the injury to Alisson, um, who apparently is going to be out for between four and eight weeks with a calf tear, um, which, uh, yeah, Tommy, um, Adrian, uh, former West Ham boy. keeper, uh, is going to be the uh, new number one in the meantime. Um, what, what, should, what should Liverpool fans uh, make of him? Should they be worried? Uh, in short, yes. <laughs> Look, Fabianski was a huge upgrade uh, for us when he came in and took over Adrian's uh, starting spot. Um, look, Adrian's by no means a bad goalkeeper, but look, he is a, a middle to lower um, Premier League goalkeeper. I think um, you, you'll you'll see. Um, so, for example, the Norwich, the the what's his name, Puki, uh, Puki, Puki, um, his goal. That was, I think, very savable, and I think a better goalkeeper probably gets a hand to that and probably just pushes it outside the post. Um, and you saw Adrian was a little bit slow to get down, didn't necessarily cover a lot of the goal either. So that's that's the kind of thing that uh, he will sort of let you down on. It's not very good on crosses either. So, um, yeah, I, I think um, the big takeaway when it comes to uh, Alisson's injury, though, is that this may force Klopp into saying, well, if we're not going to be as good defensively, we need to score more goals. Um, and that might mean that we see somewhat of a return to sort of... Heavy metal uh, football. Yeah, well, Liverpool of uh, not last season, but the season before where they were like, oh, okay, well, if we're not that solid at the back. We need to go out and go out and score goals. So um, I, I think we might actually see a few uh, less uh, one-nil wins this year for, for Liverpool, which, look, I think you're still going to win plenty of games, but... Um, not not as not, not nearly as many uh, one 0 wins. Jesse, um, as a Liverpool fan, um, are you are you happy seeing uh, Adrian in goal um, as as compared with uh, Mignolet, who was the backup beforehand? <laughs> is, is is Adrian a significant improvement there for you? Yeah, I mean Mignolet for me, just yeah, he, he was cooked for me. I mean, I just too, I'm scarred from too many moments in his history where he's gone up for a savable catch or something and just dropped it at the foot of somebody and just I've, I'm scarred. So um, I, for me, I mean, Adrian may well have a couple of those moments in the time that Allison's out, but I'm, I'm ready to embrace you goalkeeper to be honest because uh, Mignolet, I just had lost my patience with. I think Adrian's a better goalkeeper than Mignolet, so there you go. Quick word on the performances in this game, boys. Um, who who stood out for you? Um, I think it's interesting with Mane slowly being brought back that we've got Origi obviously getting more game time and there's a few people that still uh, you know, struggling to decide whether or not Origi is actually a good footballer. Mate, he um, had a blinder in my view. When did he learn to run at players mm. and put crosses in? He's always a very central sort of like, he looks kind of back to goal sort of striker and yeah, like he seemed very comfortable out wide really, didn't he? I, I find him a fascinating footballer because I, I think sometimes he just... <laughs> Sometimes he just does something you don't expect. Like he makes something really hard look easy. It's something really easy to look hard. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah. he created the first goal, which was an own goal. And, and actually, interesting stat about that. It's the, um, th that own goal was the second time in history, in Premier League history, there's been an own goal uh, for the first goal in the Premier League. Um, oh. Do you know who the last first day, first goal in the Premier League own goal was? It was recent. Was it um, Dunkle Duffy? Which, whichever one of those? No, but that's a good shout. <laughs> Mm. 
just know that one – I can't remember which one it was, but one of them with like the king of own goals for – I think it was last season or the season before. It wasn't Fulham? No, it was Kyle Walker in fifteen sixteen. Ooh, anybody playing at home. Um, yeah, so Origi uh, definitely had a great performance and I, I'd say we're, we're going to be seeing him a little bit more, um, particularly given that Liverpool haven't exactly reinforced what we were saying this last week as well, haven't reinforced uh, in terms of depth and cover for those uh, those front three. So I think we'll be seeing a little bit more of Origi here mm. and there. Um, the, the other ones that stood out for me, boys, were uh, Robertson and Alexander-Arnold. I mean, we all know they're good, but like just watching them again um, after having, you know, the, the, the off-season, not seeing them play, um, gee, they're good. They're, they're, that crossing and, and like uh, Trent's uh, cross for Origi's goal was just absolute pinpoint. It was delicious. Heaps of players in the Premier League that are just pure athletes, um, like the likes of sort of Kyle Walker, but very few of them have amazing on the ball uh, or great crossing ability and yeah both of those players have got that trent has an ability sometimes to pick a pass which is just outrageous like i mean obviously that was at the end of a, a long pass passage that a, that a fullback shouldn't be yeah. able to play yeah and, and to be honest like just going just kind of going a little bit off course but you were talking about um arsenal and david Luiz, so that's actually something that i anticipate he's going to add to the arsenal mm. repertoire as he's got a good diagonal on him as well so mm. yeah and um just just a word on Norwich, boys. Um, Tim Krul uh, made some cracking saves in this game. And um, to be fair to Pookie, his goal was well taken. Um, other, other keepers might have saved it, but one touch and a, and a finish uh, in the at the far post, a real, real striker's finish. Uh, in question without notice, guys, uh, what was more cruel? I mean, him or uh, Allison's injury? There it is, Ding. another one That's, on the punny counter. I think it's number five. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm um, number six now. We're up to six, everybody. Oh, jeez. So. So I must have missed one. The other, I, I did like um, not just Pookie's uh, goal and the finish, but seven. Finish. Oh, come on. Um, but I also like Buendia's, uh the the pass that led to that. Pookie's finish. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, oh, go, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> uh, Keep up, mate. <laughs> Good time to move on. Uh, it, was, it was the thrashing that everyone saw coming, but what a statement from the champions with an opening day hat-trick from Raheem Sterling, goals to Gabriel Jesus, and a, and a penalty converted on the second try by Aguero. Um, Good summary. Let's move on. <laughs> obviously, Sterling ran the show for City boys, but... Uh, Jesse, and, and to a lesser degree, Mares as well, who got three assists. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, Pep's other team selections, Mares getting a rare start, um, as well as Gabriel Jesus leaving uh, Kun Aguero and Bilva on the bench. Uh, Jesse, what did you make of those? Oh, just basically trying to t tell those guys, uh, you know, let's let's have no transfer requests in a week. Just <laughs> <laughs> start them in the first game and uh, they'll be back to the bench next week. Tommy, thoughts on the game from a West Ham perspective? This was, in some ways, a bit of a free hit for, for West Ham. Like, no one was really expecting a lot. It was very similar to the uh, West Ham's first game last year against Liverpool where it was similar expectations. Uh, look, they were brave for the first probably 60 minutes, uh, kept chasing, kept pressing, but you get tired against the City team and they're just going to tear you apart. And that's basically what happened in the last half an hour. They, what started out as like a pretty decent but otherwise um, – Pretty decent effort from West Ham, but a convincing scoreline started to become a little bit embarrassing in the last half an hour. And I think um, it gets to a point when you're 3-0 down, do you still want to be pressing up as high as what they were? It seemed a little bit sort of naive. Think about the goal difference, I think, in the long run. And I'll throw this one to Jesse because I know you don't want to talk about it, but it was <laughs> the uh, first strike of the VAR in the Premier League, uh, calling back one of City's many goals uh, for a dubious-looking offside as well as giving Kun Aguero a, uh, a penalty retake for an apparent incursion by Declan Rice. Uh, what did you think about the use of VAR in this game, Jesse? Well, there was only a T-Rex 
elbow <laughs> in it, really, wasn't there, from Sterling? And, and I mean, it was very tight. I mean, I looked... And the, the, the other thing that is also quite brutal about VAR is there's no reward for sensational football. And, I mean, that was... A, you want to see goals it was, like it was that a beautiful as, goal, a neutral, you know? as a neutral and as a City fan, you want to you see that, that, that kind of a beautiful team play goal. Uh, it deserved a goal. It should have been a goal. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. Um, it had to be a Mike Dean game, though, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, classic Mike Dean. I think he gave out like four yellows or something this game as well. So and, uh, and he had a, a blinder. And a point on that, I guess. Uh, look, City City have made a habit now, and, and almost everyone knows it now. They understand what City do of uh, the tactical foul. Um, boys, what are your thoughts on, I guess, the tactical foul that the City and Guardiola's team sort of have mastered? I like it. I, I love that kind of intelligent play. Um, you know, if, if, if someone's going to get by you, a tactical foul high up the pitch, get it copy yellow, fine. I mean, not great if they're in your fantasy team, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mind that at all. It's um, I also found interesting about City is that I'm, I remember there was a point, I think, start of the second half where, you know, they're, they're playing out from the goalkeeper as they always do. Just the absolute arrogance to, to not only pass around the goal and on the edge of the box, but just there was one point where, I can't remember who it was, but he just chipped it across to the to the right back and then chipped it back to the goalkeeper. And then when they were getting pressed, chipped it over just that person. Just taking the piss. Just absolutely taking the piss. And I'm just like, that for me was one of the most frustrating things about last year as a Liverpool fan. I'm like, if someone could just press them into submission, then we would have a, a, a contest. But they just, they'll get themselves out of the tightest space. And as you said, Tommy, like after a while, the opposition, which in this case West Ham, were just gassed. Yeah. Absolutely gassed. The, so, um, I, I did. Uh, I, I kind of do want to bring this back to, to tactical fouls because uh, there was. Uh, I can't remember the account, but there was something great on Twitter that I picked out that I wanted to, to, to give a shout out. Um, and it was about um, they compared tactical fouls to tax evasion. They <laughs> said whilst it's technically it's within the rules, but it's not really within the spirit of the game, though, isn't it? <laughs> and I thought I'll, I'll leave that there with the listeners. Colby obviously doesn't like the spirit of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Disagree. I think go for it. I'm, I'm all about it. It's a professional foul. Uh, I've heard it referred it to. It is. And there, look, it's it's one of the things that I think it's uh, only going to become more and more prevalent in uh, in the game now that there are a lot more teams sort of pressing high up the field and, like, you're rewarded for fouling, essentially. Yeah. Anyway. Back to uh, back to Raheem Sterling's performance just before we uh, move on, boys. Um, opening day hat trick. Uh, he's the first player to do so since uh, the drog. Drogba in uh, 2010-11. Um, uh, looking good for him this season, boys. Sterling going to bang a few more like that in? Yeah, he just, it just gets, you know, everything delivered on a plate, doesn't he? And, he's, and, and but to be honest, one of the things he's got much better at, um, one of those goals where he chipped over the keeper was a good example. He's got much better at just finishing uh, opportunities where he has to do the rest. I think he's very good at finishing goals, which should be a goal but he's got better at taking opportunities, which are a little bit trickier, and he has to come up with a bit of individual uh, brilliance. So he's obviously growing a lot as a player, and he's picked up exactly where he left off from last year. Yeah, and great great start yeah. for City. Everything went according to plan. Everything, I think, in that game went pretty much the way everybody was expecting it to go. A few games this weekend uh, where things didn't quite go according to plan uh, for the teams involved. Um, safe to say that uh, didn't go to script for the Alpine Klopp on opening day as, Bar- as Barnes uh, got himself a brace uh, and a bit of individual brilliance from Goodmanson, uh, sealing a pretty convincing 3-0 win uh, for Burnley at home to Southampton. Um, boys... 
he, he costs uh, just uh, 450,000 uh, pounds and has a bit of a habit of popping up at key moments. Um, what did you think about uh, Ashley Barnes and his performance? Oh, uh, I remember last season, Tommy referred to him as Ashley Barnsley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's an absolute weapon, isn't he? I, I, um, I mean, I say that with a lot of bias because last year I picked him up in fantasy and he was just fantastic. But he, those were great goals. Both goals were such, such well-taken finishes. Um, yeah, I, I think he's the highest goal scorer at Burnley by something like fourteen goals at the at the moment. In well, terms like of out recent, of that squad, or? recent history, yeah, out of the out of the squad that's playing for them, yeah, yeah, and uh, like um, I think Ashley Barnes is approaching a point where he was underrated for a long, long time, but I think a lot of people now see see what him see him for what he's for that he is a, a player of actually pretty decent ability, especially for a team that plays the way that Burnley do, and so. Uh, look, he, he makes a pest of himself and he scores goals and he's very much in sort of that Troy Deeney sort of mould, isn't he, where he's just a, just be horrible to play against. Um, but, yeah, he's 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 been great for, for Burnley over the last season or two Yeah, the, and, um, and beyond. And, and on the Southampton side of things, Colby, I, um, I was just thinking about all the pre-season. They had that, um, uh, that uh, theme in their transfer uh, videos where they had the uh, – the the express what was what was the uh, the oh, train the, the, the train carrying in Che Adams and uh, and Klopp, yeah, Klopp yeah. flying over having a look in the in the little plane <laughs> so I um I, I feel like that train's going to relegation station and this is just the beginning Ooh, of that journey geez. so that actually that's um that trans uh, that sort of segues over to my next question Jesse uh, should the uh, Klopp of the Alps uh, and Southampton fans be worried about their their season ahead or is this just a bit of a blip. Yeah, it remains to be seen. I mean, I think that they, they are going to get relegated, obviously, but that was my Ooh. prediction. But I, I think that Burnley are a very difficult side mm. when they get one goal up because they and just... Particularly at home as well. Particularly, yeah. So I, I think that a lot of teams, not necessarily just Southampton, but other teams would have struggled as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I, I've predicted Burnley, I think, to finish, like, 10th. And a few people raised eyebrows at that. But I think we're going to see not necessarily a return to, to seventh place of two seasons ago. But I think they're going to be much more comfortable in the Premier League this year than they were last year. And um, that they're just a team that consistently surprise everyone with how they manage to pull off results like this. Um, and there'll be plenty more teams, I suspect, this year that will struggle to, uh, to deal with, with Burnley this season. I personally think it's a bit of a blip for Southampton. I do, th- I do take your point and I do think that Burnley are very – are very strong at home and, and they, they uh, mm. deserved that win and, mm. and played very well. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm, days, I'm a bit more it? bullish on Southampton this yep. season and, and I really like the way that Hassan Hoodle's got them playing. So um, looking forward to seeing a bit more of them this season. And, and maybe a little less of their away kit. A lot less of that away <laughs> kit. That's an absolute abomination, that one. Guys, uh, come on, I'm not feeling real well. Can we not talk about this anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, boys, another another upset and a, and a comprehensive win on the road uh, for Brighton um, in, in quite a dominant performance. There was a, Aren't they relegation fodder? Well, apparently. <laughs> uh, there was a Decore own goal in the first half and then two quick goals from substitutes Andone and uh, Morpé. Um, a clinical finish uh, was was the was the goal from Andone with his first touch after coming on and a, and a really calm uh, finish from Morpé after rounding the keeper um, to complete the route. Um Excellent debut for for Potter. Um, how do you rate uh, Brighton's more expansive style? Is it the goods or just poor defending from Watford on the day? I, yep. I thought mm. I thought Watford were actually pretty dire in this. I haven't seen them be that bad for quite some. Well, probably pre uh, Javi Gracia. Um, yeah, they were they were pretty awful. I thought, and just like a lot of players looked underdone. They just didn't just, really turn up. 
No, it looked like another preseason game for them. Um, but uh, look to be to Brighton's credit, I thought they were actually very good. Like this is this team is so so different in style to what they were doing last year and the year before. Um, but look, like there are some good footballers there, and uh, uh, Clark, I think Matt, Matt Clark is that his name? The Matt Clark from Portsmouth, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he, um, he did very well. Like didn't look out of place at all in the Premier League, considering he's come up from what League One or the Championship last season. Um, he did really, really well. And uh, look, aside some uh, aside from him, there are some like there's some good technical players there. Um, David Pro- uh, Proper, and obviously we all know Pascal Gross as well, and. Um, some of the sort of underperforming players like Andone, New Guys, um, Malpai, Malpai, who look, looked uh, very comfortable in the setup, and I think Graham Potter looked. I, have, I think it's a very small sample size, but um, he's done really, really good things there so far. It's, um, I'll it's have a bit to, dangerous for all of our predictions, isn't it? Of, well, uh, I, that, I, that they're going to get relegated. Well, I'll have to eat my words if um, they don't get relegated because I think I picked them to get relegated as well, but they. Um, you know, would you say, boys, uh, after that initial result, I mean, obviously there's a long way to go, but would you say that, you know, the whole team's like a new signing? <laughs> it was, look, it was very different from Brighton. And I think they lined up in a in a 3-4-3. Three, three. And I think, Tommy, it might have been a new recruit, Byrne, uh, and not uh, Matt Clark. They got in a couple of centre-backs, but it might, it might have been their other new recruit that played uh, in between uh, Duffy and Dunk. But in any case, th- um, they just looked so fluent, I thought, out there. And... Um, <laughs> And you've got, you've got guys like Dunk with that assist for Mopay's goal, just splitting the entire team. It was it was a delight to watch in in periods of that play for Brighton, and they they thoroughly deserve that win. Um, uh, obviously, um, not 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 a great day out for Watford. De La Feu in particular uh, looked a little bit undone. He got hooked at halftime for Perea. Um, do you put that down to fitness or performance? Yeah, I mean, he's just the kind of player that if if the team's just not gelling or they're not they're not up for it, um, he sort of goes a bit missing. Which you know, there are a lot of players in the league that are creative that are like that. Um, he seems to be quite a temperamental kind of player, so um, I wasn't too surprised. And and hats off not only to to Potter for um, for the the system and the style of football he appears to have got them playing. Um, after all, they had quite a strong preseason as well, um, but. Um, he actually made some good tactical changes in this game. Glenn Murray, for me, looked a little bit um, off the radar. His his crossing was poor. He was finding himself out in wide areas, which you, you don't want Glenn Murray out in wide areas, trying to put in crosses, and he just he, he didn't really look at the races. And you had uh, Jürgen Lokadia as well, who, who didn't really have an impact on the game. Um, Potter made those changes and brought on Andone and um, and Mopay. Uh, and Donat scores with his first touch and Mopay scores a couple of minutes later. Um, uh, you know, that's that's exactly what you want as a manager, making uh, two substitutes that just change the game. So, um, yeah, hats hats off to him for that. Do you think um, – does this change either of yours opinion of how Brighton are going to go this season or too early to say? I'm oh. going to reserve judgment. Yeah, it's way yeah. too early for me. It's very early days, isn't it? And Watford were shit. <laughs> <laughs> they were quite terrible. <laughs> Um, Only way to describe them. <laughs> the other promoted team, or not uh, not that these guys were promoted teams, sorry, but uh, we're talking about Norwich before. Uh, Villa um, looks like they were going to uh, give Spurs a scare after a, a well-taken goal from John McGinn. Um, but Spurs uh, turned it around um, with uh, Ndombele uh, firing in a rocket on debut. And uh, Harry Kane, of course, grabbing the winner. Um uh, and uh, it was eventually made 3-1. Um, boys, what did you make of this one? Yeah, well, I think just, you know, going back to what I said in the own goal segment about Grealish, I mean, it's just, 
it just is a, a really big reminder that at this level, it only takes one, uh, you know, poor poor loss of the ball or turnover, and you can be completely taken out of the game. And Villa lost all momentum, and I mean, yeah, I mean, the final score like didn't really have an accurate reflection of the of the game, but it just goes to show like Spurs that have taught them a bit of a lesson um, at what it's like at this level. Last year, I think Ranieri, it might have been uh, when he was in at Fulham, said how um, Fulham were putting together sort of 80, 85 uh, minutes of, of uh, great performances in a match. But in the Premier League, you have to play, you have to be on, you have to be performing and concentrating for the full 90-plus injury time, right? And this was in a, a game where like Villa were doing really well uh, defensively, obviously scored an early goal, dream set up, right? But if you don't concentrate, for every moment of the match, it can hurt you so quickly. And then the game turned after that as well. Obviously, Ericsson came on as well. Obviously, another massive game-changing moment. Um, and then, yeah, like the game just kind of slipped away from Villa a little bit. And this is – like we saw that with uh, uh, Fulham last season. I guess there's obviously all of the transfer – the number of transfers. There's that comparison already. But um, that's, that's the risk for uh, promoted teams is they come up and they're only able to compete for 80 – 85 minutes of a game and a few lapses in concentration cause them to basically otherwise not be competitive. Um, so I'd agree with that because a, a lot of the goals uh, last year for Tottenham and for Liverpool, um, the teams that are finishing in the top four were the last five minutes and you just can't switch off yep. at all. Yep. Um, you get punished. And boys, we saw Harry Kane uh, break his uh, August duck last season when he somehow got a goal against United uh, in August. Um, but he's, he's got himself a goal on the opening day. Are these just two goals. Uh, are, are these, are these just bonus bonus goals now? Is he going to really <laughs> set himself up for a big season here? Well, I think Harry was listening in on our draft night on Friday night and, and, and he heard that Jesse Farmer had picked him up in the draft and he's like, well, I'm going to give Jesse, <laughs> give Jesse a couple of goals for his team. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm thankful for that, Harry. But, um, no, I think it just goes to show that, I mean, we, we talked, uh, in the preview pod about how he's looked sharp in the preseason. And they were they were sharp finishes, particularly the last one. The third goal was um, just. I mean, th there aren't many players in the league can, that can just that clinically just put a ball in the bottom corner to and make it look that easy. Make it look that right? easy. Yeah, so much which is timing. actually very bloody hard. Speaking of sharp, Jesse Billy Sharp and the and the Blades <laughs> got himself a point. The only promoted team to get something out of uh, the uh, first opening weekend of uh, fixtures. Uh, fair to say that uh, Blades fans will be pretty excited or, or were pretty excited for them to be back? I mean, you know, we talked about it a little bit offline, uh, Colts, the, the the reaction from the away fans was just absolute scenes, wasn't it? Oh. And, I mean, that's that's just the away fans in uh, in England. I mean, you can only imagine what it was like in uh Damo's residence um, yeah. overnight, um, watching the game late at night. Well, uh, he was on. he was up and about on a few of our group chats with, uh, <laughs> with some uh, quite excited uh, messages, which is funny because he's he's away at the moment, isn't he? Isn't he like visiting his family or something? Who so knows, you can who imagine knows him, where he is. Just imagine him like waking waking up the house or something. <laughs> he could be away at the highest mountain. He'll find a way to watch Sheffield United. <laughs> Good on him. Uh, yeah, bit got, of a, got to find a way to watch those overlapping full, uh, centre backs. <laughs> It was a bit of a tactical battle, uh, a.k.a. boring uh, first half <laughs> of this game. So we're not going to labour on it. We're not going to spend too much time on it. Please. Um, but, uh, yeah, a fairly expected result. Uh, both teams scored. Both teams, are, of course, are going to score and concede goals this season. Anything else stand out for you, boys? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think with Bournemouth, I mean, you could almost say a similar feeling to Watford where they weren't playing 
uh, at their level that you'd expect them to and the other team t- mm-hmm. took advantage and Sheffield uh, United actually they deserved a point in my opinion so it was good to see an, an accurate result. Yeah, f- fair reflection of the game I thought as well. I thought yeah, a point's probably pretty fair right there. Um, I wonder if Bournemouth uh, probably underestimated uh, Sheffield United and will possibly be kicking themselves that they didn't make the most of having a uh, a newly promoted team on in game week one and, and not walking away with three points. They're just bamboozled by those overlapping full uh, overlapping <laughs> centre backs. They didn't know what to do. Uh, and speaking of uh, boring games, boys, rounding out um, the uh, weekend so far were, was uh, Palace and Everton. Um, another well, arm wrestle. This one wasn't another it? arm wrestle. We would say, but uh, other people, okay, would, other people would say, uh, you know, lots of good attacking threats, but lacking final product. Uh, as it as the teams played out a nil all draw, Everton, I'd say, boys would probably be a little bit happy with the results, um, given they had Schneiderlin sent off um, late in the game. Um, Anything stand out for you boys in this one? Yeah, look, there was uh, one early observation that I made. Um, have Crystal Palace always had cheerleaders? Yeah, I think they have. Um, I've they, never seen they, that before. They sort, of, they sort of walk out from that like diagonal. It's yeah, not like yeah. in the centre of the park. And yeah, I, I, I have noticed that in, in seasons gone by. All right. Oh, so it's been a couple of seasons. This isn't like a that recent a thing. Correct us if we're wrong, listeners, but I, I do recall seeing cheerleaders. <laughs> there, there has to be a Palace fan before. out there somewhere. Who knows? Just, just wondering where you're going to go with this, mate, because um, unfortunately your girlfriend might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trust me, she's not. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, look, in terms of the game, though, a couple of interesting takeaways. I thought um, Zaha obviously didn't start. Uh, that's don't really know what to, to read out of that. Like uh, you talked before, Colby, about whether or not um, – uh, so certain players might be headed off to the continent. Zaha had been, uh, I think, ru- rumoured with uh, leaving England and going to the continent, but it's kind of hard to see where he would go. And I think he, he really wanted to go to uh, Arsenal and I don't think the Everton move was ever on. Um, the other one was uh, Schneiderlin taking uh, a Gay's spot in the Everton midfield. I think Idrissa Gay is a huge loss for Everton um, and Schneiderlin didn't exactly put his best foot forward uh, in that sort of... Uh, um, in, in, in that, in that dress re- rehearsal, yeah, and so um, I guess there's the the new signing, uh, Gam- Gamba. What's his name? Uh, Help me out, Gambaman. Yes, uh, and I guess now you would expect that he will come in next week in that slot. So and he, well, a, he actually got thrown in early because Andre Gomez, who was playing in that double pivot role with oh, with Schneiderling, got injured. Got injured. Yep. Uh, and so Mbappé had to come in uh, and play that role perhaps earlier than um, Marco Silva yep, yep. Uh, was anticipating. Um, oh, look, boys, what stood out for me, I think uh, Gilkey Sigerson had a, had a bit of an off night. He had a couple of, couple of chances. He was free on the six-yard box for a cutback, didn't get it on target. It was very early on. It could have really changed the game, couldn't it? And he a had a couple of Gilfidge there chances. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Ding! He had one cleared off the line by Van Arnthold as well. Uh, it was, mm. was a good goal line clearance. Um, but, you know, you, you want a player like Gilfie Sigurdsson uh, putting those away. Um what else uh, about well, this game? The, the other thing I thought was uh, look at Dean. Dean uh, looked really sharp. He yeah. looked on, didn't he? He's uh, a player. He is. Um, he looked like there were a lot of players that looked uh, a bit rusty, a bit underdone um, heading into this weekend, but he looked ready. He looked like he was a month into the Premier League, not playing his first game of the season. So great, great signs for Everton. They just need someone who can put away those those del- delightful crosses that he puts in. 
Final word on Everton, boys. How long before new signings, uh, Moise Ken and uh, Iwobi, who were both picked up quite late in the uh, window, um, start to make an impact for, for Everton? How, how long would you expect before they're in there making an impact? Because both were pretty high-profile signings by Everton standards. Where, where does Iwobi play? Whose spot does he take? Bernard? Uh, Bernard, I think, yeah. I think he'd be competing for those wide forward spots. He'd probably yeah. be playing on the Arsenal side, which is uh, with Walcott. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's right. Was Walcott injured or was he on the bench? I, I didn't didn't catch that. Yeah, um, I, I um, Walcott was on unused sub. I yeah, also okay. noticed, uh, Tommy, you you uh, missed your opportunity there for with uh, Schneiderland. Yeah, <laughs> Sydney Schneider. Schneiderland. Yeah, but um, I I think uh, well to answer your question, Cops, I think Everton um, similar to Spurs and Arsenal, when you have so much activity in the, I mean, obviously there's been a few people that come and go. Uh, it's hard to hit the ground running because these players have got to fit in somewhere and he's probably going to tinker with the system. But, I mean, I think the nature of where they sit, Everton, they'll be wanting to see results pretty quickly. So I don't think he's got too much time to tinker with it. He needs to get get the skates on pretty quick. And should, uh, just moving on to Palace, boys, before we uh, before we leave this one, should, should they be worried that their sort of best chances of the night fell to, to IU and, um, and they had to bring on the likes of uh, Connor Wickham uh, to try and um, give them a, something different? Their, their finishing was just so poor. I mean, Max Meyer's chance was a really mm. good chance. Um, he should, I, really should have finished that. He's meant to be a – comes with a, a big reputation, but honestly he hasn't really done a lot in the Premier League so far. Well, at least Schneiderling has a new, uh, more sensible number for uh, for a midfielder. He's wearing the 18 now, whereas I think previously he was wearing the two and yeah. playing in midfield and it just didn't look right. I was so triggered by that. It was not a fan. All right, boys, uh, there's still a few games to go over this weekend. Why don't we just have a quick look at them now and, and whip through with a few thoughts on on what uh, people can expect out of those games. Uh, first up, uh, you've got Leicester uh, hosting Wolves. Thoughts on this one? It's a potential Everton Cup showdown, isn't it? Uh, depending it on how things play out. Or, or maybe even a, a fourth uh, Champions League spot showdown. Even Foxes versus the Wolves. <laughs> Ooh. Fox Derby, I don't know. What, what are you predicting for this one, boys? Well, I mean, if you, if you go by Tommy C's rationale, I mean, an easy win for Leicester, right? Top four. <laughs> um, no, I think um, Leicester will be wary not to fall into the same boat as as Bournemouth and Watford, where they've got a, a home fixture to start. I mean, obviously, Wolves is a different kettle of fish, but um, I think uh, we'll probably see a close game, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw. Um, let's not forget that Wolves have already played four competitive games, uh, albeit against some sort of weaker opponents from, I think, like Northern Ireland and was it Armenia was the other, uh, the other, they were the other competition uh, that they, they played in the uh, Europa League. So, uh, look, they are, I think they're a bit better prepared for this game than, than Leicester will be. But, um, having said that though, they've done a little bit more traveling as well though. So, uh, look, uh, this is probably the... Look, aside from Manchester United Chelsea, I think this is the most interesting game of the weekend. Um, I'm predicting, I'm predicting a draw as well. You know, I think um, both teams would be happy to walk away with a point from this one. Multis everywhere have just been fucked. <laughs> Boys, uh, Newcastle uh, hosting Arsenal. Can, sorry, sorry, new ass. <laughs> in the in uh, in new ass, um, can can Steve Bruce's uh, Newcastle pull off something against uh, the? Uh, the replenished deadline day defensively uh, now solid Arsenal. It's probably Steve Bruce's Newcastle. He's still trying to get over it. There's only one thing I think Newcastle could pull off this weekend, and it's probably not something we really want to talk about much more <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, so, look, I think yeah, Arsenal are 
it's it's another conversation of how many how many goals are, uh, is is this team going to score against um in in this case? Yeah, I mean, for me, it would have to be Arsenal throwing throwing this game to a point where they just do something ridiculous at the back. Which, to be honest, there are, <laughs> it's always pl- possible, there are, isn't it? There are players there that are more than capable of just completely inexplicably uh, giving away an own goal or something. So, um, I mean, if Arsenal lose this or draw this, it'll be by their own demise. I don't think Newcastle got n- enough yet to to get over them. What, what score is it, are we predicting, fellas? I'm predicting four 0 to Arsenal. Probably like a 3-1 or 3-0 to Arsenal. 3-1, I'd say. Uh, and in the most ho- high-profile uh, game left of the round, uh, Super or, Frank and Chelsea's lone army uh, going to Old Trafford. What, what do you see, what what do you see for happening Frank? for this one, boys? Well, um, yeah. I mean, this is uh, – I'll, I'll be interested to see how Chelsea line up. I mean, obviously, they heard a few people uh, come back and a few people leave at the last minute. A few? <laughs> 30 of them, isn't there? <laughs> I just, I'm still, I'm still, I just love George's uh, assessment last week. It's like, oh, who have we signed? Nobody. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, it'll be really interesting to see some of those players. And I mean, my, I guess what I'm saying is that there's a lot of them. Where, where do they fit? What yeah. are they going to do? Where are they going to put them? And also, who's going to start? Who, who, have, who out of the returning loanees are actually going to play? Like, is Tammy Abraham ahead of Batshuayi or Giroud? I actually or think Mason that, Mount ahead of Barkley, for example, as well. I think that centre forward role is is up for grabs. Yeah, massively. I think I think uh, Frank Lampard will be giving um, time to Tammy Abraham, who's got the cursed nine shirt. Don't forget, mm. uh, and Michi Batshuayi and and Giroud. I think it's it's there for the taking for whoever out of the three of them can put in some consistent, mm. good performances and crucially uh, score some goals and and fill up the hazard uh, goal uh, deficit that's now there with with their best player uh, uh, having left. So I think it's 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 for either one of those guys to uh, to grab that. Was with Abraham getting the the curse number nine jersey, does that mean that he's definitely not going to be playing then? Or Correct. Like? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, boys, what do you think in terms of predictions? Though? In terms of the score, I should say. I'll go first. Uh, uh, this one could be a high scoring uh, one. Predicting a, a two all draw. Yeah, I I I, I think two all draw is probably a good shout. I think Harry Maguire might score his first goal. Ooh, for Man United, ooh, gee, yeah, be a, a, a hitter, of course. I'm going to uh, say 1-0 Chelsea. Ooh, interesting. Um, so I've basically, got, we've got no idea how this one's going to go. <laughs> Absolutely no yeah, idea. Yeah, both both teams. Like, you never know what you're going to get, like, right now because they haven't – neither team have made that many new signings. Um, it's even sort of up in the air, I would argue, of whether or not Maguire will start. He's only just joined the club, what? Four days ago, I think you got. How ready can you, you be? Start I, I think you got to start him. He's just joined for that amount of money, eighty and, mil, and then you, you got to start him. First, first game at Old Trafford, got to start him. All right, boys, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with a roundup of the first week of more than the game FPL.
Okay, boys, uh, apart from our uh, regular sort of when, when we're not recording the, the podcast, uh, you know, just, just getting on Twitter and uh, attempting to make memes and, and have banter, we've, we've also got a, uh, a fantasy league this season that you can join, uh, MTAG FPL. Uh, Tommy, tell us, tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, so uh, like Colby said, this year we've got uh, more than a game has got a, a fantasy Premier League league. Uh, it's still available to join, obviously, um, and we'll be doing a mini section probably about every second or every uh, pos- again. maybe every third week, depending on how, how the league's going. Um, so keep an ear out for, for shout outs and the like, and uh, and obviously also be playing against the, the six of us uh, more than a game hosts as well. So uh, look, we're also aiming that if we can get our shit together, we'll have some prizes at the end of the season. But um, yeah, we'll TBD. see. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, uh, but look, it has been a pretty exciting weekend in terms of um, uh, in fantasy with a lot of the the premium players, the likes of Kane, Sterling, and Salah. They obviously uh, have helped out a lot of teams get some great uh, great scores so far. And there's a few teams I think could crack 100 points this week, which is a uh, pretty massive effort. That's so, good, right? Yeah, that's that's a that's very, very good. So, look, um, I'll give a couple of shout-outs before I get into to, um, into the individual or, or team performances uh, this week, uh, just in terms of the best team names. Uh, so, I've got, uh, got four here who I've picked out as uh, probably my favourite team names. The first one is uh, the, the Wenger bus, as uh, in Arsene Wenger. Uh, that's uh, Killian, uh, one of uh, – it's actually our Sunday League goalkeeper. Shout-out to Killian and uh, his team name. You've got Dark Side of the Toon who, funnily enough, is also a, an ex-Sunday League goalkeeper as well. Um, another one is Chinese Checkers. Uh, it's by Darby Loughran, I think that is. Don't mind that. That's that's good. And, like, I think there was um, there was a play on Czech. Uh, it might have been Check Yourself or something last year that might have been in one of our draft leagues or something like that that I'd seen before. Never seen Chinese Checkers, though. Good one. Like it. Uh, the final one was Michael Ritter's Let's Talk About Six, which I know the two of you will, will appreciate. As elite. That's an fans. elite name. I also enjoy some of the more serious ones, uh, Tommy. Um, one that's just named Climate Change. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really um, makes you think, doesn't it? Really? Does, it have, does it have straight face emoji as well? Because like, it needs it. <laughs> oh, boys, I don't, mind, um, I don't mind steamed hams united. That's, uh, oh. I thought you'd get around that one, Tommy. It, he gets a mention uh, Anthony, in, in a Anthony second. So. so uh yeah, I mean, that's, I just, that's quality. Which from was, uh, if I lead into the next area, which was um, uh, the early front runners. We've had a couple of pretty big performances this week, headlined by Dan Baker's NFC, uh, sorry, NFFC uh, Portugueses. Uh, totally with a total of 96 points at the minute. Uh, he's uh, gone early, very early with his triple captain uh, chip uh, for Salah, which has uh, generated a very tidy 36 points straight up. Very nicely done. Well done. He's uh, he's leading with 96 points at the moment. Um, not far behind him is uh, George of uh, Chelsea Corner fame. His cousin, uh, Dave or David. Uh, with Madrid, uh, Madrid 2019, uh, he's second on 94. Um, and then also there's a couple other um, teams behind him. It was obviously, like you said, Anthony Ede or Eddie's uh, steamed hams United. Loved the Simpsons reference uh, on 84 points. And then you have uh, more than a game's own Damo and uh, Ian Harrington's team, Dolly's Diamonds, on 81 respectively, rounding out pretty much the top five. Um, look, uh I'm I'm pretty happy with how I'm going personally. I'm on 79 points at the minute. Uh, so, Colby, uh, you'd be glad to know that. Uh, hang on, I've just got to keep strolling to find you, mate. Oh. Uh, 
I'm comfortably mid table. You right? are. You're you're on eighteen. Sorry, you're on eighteenth at the minute. And Jesse, I'm gonna have to keep scrolling. To yeah, find you go. You well. There we go. Thirty fourth. Yeah. So look. Oof. Um. Looking, uh, I guess the um, players to play the, the final shout out doesn't go to one of the teams or one of the players. Uh, well, actually, sorry, goes to one of the one of the actual players uh, from the Premier League, uh, who we all know about Salah and Sterling and how well uh, they've done this week. But look, the big surprise packet this week was Eric Peters uh, from Burnley, who managed to get himself two assists and a clean sheet for uh, what was that twelve points. So uh, yeah, well played to him. Yeah, a few Everyone, bit of, bit of differential there uh, if, you, if you're picking Peters. Good. Good, uh, oh, you like that FPL chat? I've been, yeah, been did, reading up, I did, Tommy. I did. That's <laughs> uh, uh, where my knowledge uh, starts and finishes, though, pods. unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, pods. But look, uh, look, listeners, so make sure you you tune in. Uh, join the league. Uh, we'll post again the, the code so that you can join the league. Um, and, uh, yeah, follow along. We'll see be if endlessly self-promoting, as is our <laughs> want. And and Tommy and, and the rest of us will be, will be getting around you on Twitter if you have a good week. And, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll personally be getting around you if you uh, – if you show up, Tommy. So uh, that that's really my aim for this year is just to just to finish above Tommy. It's my goal for the season. So failing so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Early days. Uh, all right. Well, uh, that, that's probably going to do it for us today, uh, boys. Uh, thanks, uh, Jesse and Tommy, uh, as always, uh, for joining us. Thanks uh, to all the listeners for listening. Um, look, we're going to be back same time next week uh recording sunday probably for a sunday night or a monday morning release um in the meantime uh get around us on twitter or facebook uh more than a game pod on both of those more than a game podcast you'll, you'll bring us up fairly easily um tommy go on uh so in the in the last um well, in the last week or so we've been uh putting up a few blog posts as well yes uh, you would have noticed some of those popping up on on facebook and twitter so so check that out we're gonna start doing a little bit of uh maybe not necessarily long form uh written work but uh, we're gonna post on it every time we want yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty much so uh, yeah, unfortunately, most of us do have day jobs, so uh, there's only so much time we can commit to this. But, but a few if you of us do, do enjoy writing, if so, you um, do want to, if you do uh, fancy yourself a bit of a football writer, you want to write a match review, you want to do a- anything like that, you've got some ideas, get in touch with us. We, we you know, we might even uh, feature you on the blog. But in you know, in the meantime, get get around it. Uh, we've got our season uh, previews up there at the moment. We might be getting a few more posts up, like team previews, a bit of kit chat up there as well and uh, maybe a bit of mascot chat as well. So uh, until next week, enjoy the football.